You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, I'm something of an information junkie. I like to get information. I like to get answers. I like to check my sources everywhere and know just a little bit about everything. Just getting answers here, there, and everywhere. And, you know, it seemed to be that you could count on the information that you got wherever you went to be true or valid. And that information that wasn't true or valid would, you know, be limited to the tabloids. Or that it would just be in uh, the gossip papers or on entertainment television or rumors. But it's still kind of fun to just get inside information. Get a little secret, a little dirt, a little bit of info that you can't find anywhere else. Do you find yourself doing that? And I don't, I don't know if that's about the entertainment world or if maybe it's about sports where you want to know if your team is going to get the player that's up to be traded or is your team going to be the right position of the draft to get the right player to fill out their roster. We just want to get the tip, the inside secret on what might be happening with our team or with our favorite star. There are lots of secrets everywhere. In fact, even in video games. Video games are known for having cheat codes where you can get extra powers and be extra strong or fast or jump other levels. Or even a couple of tucked in Easter eggs. Things that you could unlock and then see something unusual inside of the video game. We like being able to have some inside info and get maybe the low down and the, and the dirty. In fact, you know, next week, next week's the all-red Super Bowl. And I just know that those teams would love to just have a few minutes to peek into the other team's playbook just to see something of what's going on, to maybe get a little edge, to know something of that inside scoop on their signs. Oh, let's not even bring up the Astros. Right? I mean, there are teams that make a, not only a game of this, but they make business out of getting the inside scoop and they use it to their own advantage. Well, today I'm going to need your help. You know, I, I, need, I need some jokes some audience-appropriate joke. So I want you to be thinking about a joke, not a lengthy one, a knock-knock joke, I don't know what it is, but I, I need a couple of jokes. Who will go first in telling me a joke? Thank you, Evan. Now, here, here's the trick on this. <laughs> Tell the joke, but stop before the punchline. Just leave the punchline off. What do you call a bunch of Kittens stacked up on each other in a pyramid. Very good. Okay, who's next? <laughs> Who will tell me another joke? All right, Debbie. What do you call a cow without legs? Okay, who's next? We need one more, okay? What's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Thank you guys for playing along. Uh, more on that later. 
Yeah, I know. I'm mean. I am mean. Well, in, in this series, we have been exploring desert city spirituality. We have wanted to know how we can live spiritual lives in the here and now in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so we've been looking at a really old document and mining some information from that document. Uh, two weeks ago when we began, we looked at a very uh, specific strategy for prayer that leaders can use to pray for believers to know God. Everybody's a little bit uncomfortable. It just feels like things are unfinished, right? But we prayed this, this prayer about uh, leaders coming to know God and being filled with the strength of God. And then, then last week, we were looking at what could be the center or the heart of spirituality as being in Him, in Jesus Christ. And we want to take that much further and look at Colossians 1 that Lizzie read to us this morning. Colossians 1, 24 and following, all the way through chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul has a lot of secrets. Some that people wonder about, like his thorn in the flesh. But here, the core of his message, I'm going to not hide from you whatsoever, because I think you can find it in verses 27 through 29. He just lays out there what the secret and what the mystery is. The goal, the outcome of spirituality, what we're all striving toward is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. Paul says that this is his labor and his struggle and what he is striving fervently for. Now, I think Paul had a lot of struggles. He's writing this particular letter from a jail cell. I don't know if it was all stone walls or if there were some bars in there, but his struggle certainly could be, well, I'm in prison for my faith and I'm writing to you about it. I think if you look closely at how Paul writes this, though, his struggle is one of being immersed in prayer. He is toiling and striving in prayer. His ministry is reaching beyond the walls of that prison out to this group of people praying that they would come to know the mystery of Jesus Christ. Here in this story and in the town of Colossae, they were really given to a lot of secrets and mysteries. There were a lot of mystery religions that prided themselves on having very careful initiation rites, steps to get in, who could be in as a member and who could not be in, ancient scrolls, documents, wisdom from the past, and rites that someone had to go through in order to be a part of that religious group. And today, it's kind of similar, right? We, uh, we, we kind of have some of our own little secret code games that we'll sometimes play with Christianity. Have you noticed this? Some Christians really spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly when Jesus is going to return. And they'll choose dates and they'll pick times. Never mind the fact that Jesus said that even he doesn't know when the return is happening, right? Well, then there's also games that we play with numbers and codes, looking at Revelation, trying to discern these spiritual insights and truths, trying to unlock the text as if it were like another installment of National Treasure. You know, 
Re resurface that old movie series. How can we get uh, Nicolas Cage back into Scripture and do something with Revelation? We want to know the mystery. What's the inside scoop? Now, so even Christians aren't immune from these kind of games of wanting to have these secrets that they protect from other people. I think that what might be different between us and this town of Colossae is that we're given to the same type notions of wanting to find the right mantra or the right smell or candle or pose or truth that could be written down and shared from an ancient person. I think that what's different is that we're given to buy that spirituality. We want to go and find it on eBay or on Amazon. We think that we could buy the book or the candle or the scroll, take the training, and then we would have the inside secret knowledge. Now, Paul uses the language of this secret insider knowledge, but he doesn't play the game. Paul talks about secrets and mystery, but then he just says, this is open, this is revealed, this is out here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He doesn't hold it back for profit. He doesn't make people go through a spiritual maze to try to get to the center and hold their head just right in order to find the answer. He gives it away. So look with me at some of these places where Paul lets the cat out of the bag. Look at verse 25. I became its servant according to God's command that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's He who we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we can present everyone mature in Jesus Christ. Paul lets the cat out of the bag that this kind of secret wisdom is not restricted even to God's people, the Jews, the children of Abraham. He says it's for the nations. Now that's pretty stunning for those who are used to being the ones on the inside for thousands of years, and now in Christ, everyone has access to this mystery. In verse 25, he talks about making the Word of God known. Now when we hear that with our third millennium ears, what do we first think of? I heard someone say, when we hear the Word of God, what do we think of? The Bible, Scripture, these holy documents that we're reading from today. And, and I'm certain that that's what he's thinking about in some level. But they didn't have Bibles at that moment like we do with all of these letters. He's actually more specifically talking about the living, breathing Word of God, Jesus Christ. He wants to make Jesus known among them. That is pretty profound. Sometimes we get a little over-focused on this book and we treat it as a secret code. Have you seen this happen before? Back when I was working for ACU, I completed a very long research study of, and over 500 
people responded to this, churches, elders, all across the country. And I asked them what they expected a minister to know. And we didn't fill in the blank and give them some options. We just said, what do you expect a minister to know? And there were a whole host of answers. But what do you think was the number one response? The Bible. Yeah, like 70% marked the Bible. That's great. God came in, I don't think, third or fourth. And everything else was more in the 20% range. Now, that's not necessarily a problem because the Bible points us to God, right? But we have a tendency to overfocus on the Bible and not think about the God to whom the Bible points. And I think that's what Paul is referencing here, is the living Word of God. Well, this mystery that he makes known, Christ in you, hope of glory, in verse 27, he hits that multiple times. Look in verse 3 of chapter 2. Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not just Christian wisdom, all wisdom. Not just Christian knowledge, but all knowledge is hidden within Jesus Christ. We can know the mystery. We can know the secret. It's right there for us. Christ is the answer to the mystery. The move that we make from this week, that we were from where we were last week, is last week we were talking about being in Him, being in Christ. That is our pursuit. Paul pushes that further and says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's pretty mind-blowing. That is a whole other step. If Jesus is in the image of the invisible God, and we're striving to be in Him, that's step one. But step two is wanting Jesus to be in us. Allowing Christ room in our life. Making space in our heart and our life for Christ to live and move. And this is important because when we look at all the spiritualities that are out there, and we talk about Jesus, we won't talk about Jesus being in everything. Jesus isn't in the pew, right? But everything is in Jesus. Everything can find its meaning in Jesus. Does that make sense? We have to take that step of surrendering our lives to Jesus, allowing him to live inside of us. And we get the core teaching of Paul on spirituality here in Colossians. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's not just here. Paul does this elsewhere. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he talks about uh, Christ has been crucified, and now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In Galatians 2, 20. Or you go a few chapters further in Galatians 4, 19, the struggle that Paul is in is described as him being in the pains of childbirth, where he wants to give birth to Christ among this group of people. He wants Christ to be formed among them. Or even in Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the idea is that, that we would be formed into the image of Christ. So it's not just this letter. This forms the core content 
of Paul's spirituality, being formed into the image of Christ. Okay, well, what does that look like for us? It's fine to look at this old letter, it's fine to talk about these things from long ago, but what does that look like for our desert city spirituality? Well, let me first tell you what this secret does not look like. And this is not a very comfortable story to tell, it's an older one. Perhaps you heard about the church, the Hosanna Church in Ponchaluta, Louisiana in 2005, where the minister was a normal minister, but separately was involved in satanic ritual. Now, again, I told you this is not comfortable at all, but abusing people involving leadership of the church and the community in abuse of other people, including children who were very, very young. It finally, the lid came off of this secret, and a lot of people lost their jobs and the church fell completely apart. Now, that kind of secret is not the kind of secret that we're talking about. Whenever religious people try to keep secrets like that and live double lives, that's not what we want to endorse. In fact, I must say, and say it very clearly, that if you are living with anyone who is trying to tell you what to do with your body, or who is abusing you physically, or sexually, or even verbally, that is not as it should be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So speak up. Talk to me. Talk to one of the leaders in this church. Do not let that secret sit silent. Whenever any religious person encourages you to be quiet or keep a secret, realize that's not a good move. God is a God of light and bringing things into the light. So it doesn't look like that. That's not what we want. Those kind of secrets are bad and destructive. What does it look like for us? Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to tap into a power unlike any power you have ever experienced. And it's the very power and energy of God. It's talked about here. What it looks like for you is to get up at dawn and to offer your life to Jesus, to let him be Lord of your life, to draw upon the power of God in everything that you face in your day. And when you get to the end of that day, to again turn to Jesus as Lord and rest in his grace and rest in his provision for your life. To give God over those things that you were not able to do. Those, even those dreams that were unfinished. The unfulfilled hopes that you had. Give those things over to Jesus and rest and sleep. Sleep easy knowing that you are in the protection of God. Because there is nothing that you can face in this world ever that you have to face alone. You can draw upon the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is a true energy. Now sometimes, sometimes we Christians do a good job of reducing Christianity to being a belief system. You just have to think a few things. Or maybe we treat it like a ritual system. If you'll follow this and then this, hold your head just this way, then you will access what you need in the spiritual life. 
Sometimes we treat Christianity as a social network of relationships where we get to be around a lot of good people that might be good to do business with and folks that you can rely on. And that's not what Christianity is about either. We also sometimes treat Christianity like a shop where, well, there's just things that have to be done. We've got to keep the doors open. We've got to keep the lights on. We've got to pay the bills. Well, it's just always the way that we've done it. Well, Christianity is not a shop to be maintained. That's it, just not what it is about. In fact, and it's not too unusual given the story I've already told you, sometimes Christians treat it as a fort, a fortress, where they build walls, and they're afraid of what's outside, of, oh no, what could happen? How can we avoid all evil? How can we avoid any consequence or any difficulty? And we circle and huddle inside of the fortress, and we can't avoid any and all difficulties. We can't escape everything that we might imagine in our minds. Because these things are, at, while partially true about Christianity, they are not the focus of what Christianity is at its core. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Tapping into an energy that transcends your limited perspective that transcends even your flesh and even the life that you will lead that you can see right here in the present moment. Christ in you looks like you being in the presence of Jesus all day long. Giving Jesus requests constantly. Strength to face your family. Strength to face your job. Patience on the road. Jesus with you. It's also about doing the things that Jesus did. Living his kind of life with your hands and with your feet. It's about saying and speaking the things that Jesus himself taught and bringing them into your life as practice. Then you'll be able to go. Go into places that right now you cannot imagine. Being with Jesus in the moment. Well, I did kind of leave us hanging, didn't I? Oh yeah, I forgot about those jokes. Well, let's just not do that, you know? Let's not worry about that. Well, okay. Don't. We might get some groans from these jokes anyway. All right, Debbie, tell us your whole joke again, because we've probably forgot it. You're not the only one. Oh. <laughs> what do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ah. <laughs> All right, Evan. What do you call a bunch of kittens stacked up on each other to make a pyramid? That's a meowton. <laughs> We're into the puns here. We are definitely into the puns. What's the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. <laughs> <laughs> outlaws are wanted. Ouch. Ouch. It'll, it'll let it soak. Just <laughs> the kind of secret that we're talking about is meant to be shared. It's meant to be lived. And if we treat it as like, well, I'm just going to cut off the last half of the joke, it just doesn't work, right? If we're not willing to take on Christ in us, then Christianity falls short because this is the power that God wants for you to live inside of you and to grow inside of you. 
It's a journey that can begin in a moment. It can be a decision. It can be something that you do in baptism. But it extends for your entire lifetime. No, scratch that. An eternity of coming to know God. That is what we want for you. That is what a desert city spirituality can look like. As we grow to not only know about Jesus, but begin to be transformed to be able to act like Jesus. Because the pressure comes. The trials will be on us. And when we're in the midst of those trials, we don't want to suddenly be asking for Christ at that moment. Is he going to show up? Yes. But what we're talking about is something more. Where we're equipped and we're trained and we're prepared for that moment to stand in and face whatever it is that we have to face. Modeling a Lord that stood and waited to die. He didn't run and hide and ask for another way. That's the Lord we serve, and He invites us into that life. A life where we're equipped with Christ in us to be able to act as Christ in the world. Let's pray. God, You are a good God and a mighty God, and You have shown so much restraint, so much mercy, and we thank You for providing Your grace to live inside of us through Jesus. We know we can't control You. We know we don't hold all of You. But we know that we can join with You as partners in what You are doing in this world. And we invite You. We invite you to take a stronger hold of our lives today, this day. We pray this through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit as one God, now and forever. Amen.